This is an ABC podcast. I come from the island of Ambren, right in the heart of Vanuatu. My great-grandfather was taken at a very early age. It was in his teens. He was taken from a village of Lenwalwal in Tea Point. That was the western tip of the island of Ambren. During the time the missionaries were coming in, including the traders who were trading uh, local goods with foreign goods. During that time, he was uh, playing on the beach with many other children. They saw the ship that was coming in and thought it was one of the traders or one of the missionary boats. And then when they realized that it was a blood-burning ship kidnapping people, they realized that it was too late because they already grabbed hold of my great-grandfather and took him away. From the 1860s until 1901, trading ships from Australia would visit the South Pacific Islands looking for people to work on plantations. Many were tricked on board or even kidnapped in a practice now known as blackbirding. They were taken against their will. They were trapped and drawn into the ship. They were treated very badly. They were chained. They had malnutrition. They had health problems because it was a long journey to Australia. People like Lilon Bongmatu's grandfather was sent to sugar plantations to work in hostile conditions for almost no money. Some weren't paid at all. Then in 1901, after Australia became a federation, it passed the White Australia policy, which was aimed at banning people of non-European ethnicities from entering or working in the country. So the thousands of Pacific Island workers who had been in Australia for decades were suddenly deported. He got married there and had a child. And then later on, I guess it was probably 1905, 1906, the Australian government was sending people back and then he was one of those who came back as well. But he, he left his wife and child there and never got to reunite with them. So you might have a relative in Australia that you don't know about. Yes, I still don't know until today. I'm still searching. About 1,500 people remained and became known as Australian South Sea Islanders. They had lost their connections to the islands and their descendants grew up not really knowing where they came from. And while Lilon hasn't found her own relatives in Australia, she helps people from the Australian South Sea Islander community connect with their relatives from Vanuatu. It started way, way back, but I only came in in 2014 when I, I organized the first family reunion for one of my relatives here in Port Vila, where families, or South, South Sea Islander's families were invited to come over. And it was an, an emotional event because um, the blackbirding days was uh, devastating for our families and it was passed on from generations to generations. And it was, it was hard. Over the years, people tried to get over what happened. But uh, I guess the reunification is building back the memory and uh, reconnecting values that were taken away. 
I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's meet some women from the Australian South Sea Islander community who have found relatives, answers and identity in their South Pacific homelands. For years, Australian South Sea Islanders' main connection to their homeland was through oral storytelling. Their grandparents or great-grandparents may have been taken from Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, Papua New Guinea, Kiribati, Tuvalu, New Caledonia or Fiji. But they knew very little about the places and people that were left behind. As international travel became more affordable and with the rise of social media, more and more South Sea Islanders are re-establishing connections to their culture and history. And as they find cousins in the Pacific, their Pacific relatives are finally learning what happened to their ancestors who were taken. Sonia Minikan is a descendant of the First Nations Kabi people and of Australian South Sea Islanders from Vanuatu. She runs an organization called Blackbird International, which connects South Sea Islanders with their families in the Pacific and runs tours so that they can visit their islands. I guess what took us on that journey was our journey to look for family. Uh, My parents uh, were getting older and unwell and we really wanted to find out and reconnect for them. We saw how great that connection was for our family, the re-establishment of some of the culture or reintroduction into our family here in Australia and also for them knowing that there were actually people, descendants of their uncles or brothers that were taken and still living and alive in Australia. So we thought that was such an important part of our family and we know that our community, the Australian South Yard community is so large um, in Queensland and we wanted to help them on their journey to find family. So we established Blackbird in 2003, Blackbird International. What are some of the success stories that you have had in reuniting these families? I guess for us initially, our own um, was was just amazing. Since then, we've we've actually been able to have large family reunions. Um, When my father did unfortunately pass, they performed custom ceremonies for him in acknowledgement of that, which was very special for our family. Like, so we've got access in Australia to all the, you know, the archives and, and records such as plantation owners' records and shipping records. So we try to match them with some of the oral stories that they have in Vanuatu and other countries and also oral stories from, from elders um, in the Australian South Sea Islander community. So one story that we had was there was a family here in Australia that had had a story that had been told to them. They weren't sure how true it was. It was about the salt water, their island, and, and certain animals that connected them. And we went back to Vanuatu, and one of our workers over there connected with a family who had that same story, and that get, was a direct connection, an, an oral history from that particular island and that particular village. It, you know, that's how we connect to places through those stories and yes. certain family names were brought over and kept and carried on throughout generations that directly linked to some of the families that we connected with. So that, that family name directly came from that village. So that was that direct connection we were able to um, to find um, when our ancestors were brought over. Many times they didn't have much of an idea of what they were being asked of 
many times the ship owners just wrote the island from which they were taken from. So in Australia, there are a lot of families with the surname of Ambram or Oba or Tanner because that's the islands in which they came. So that's another way in which we used ways to connect families. So we find ourselves as a bit of an enabler and a bit of a connector of the two stories and then you know, feeding that back to people who who contact us and say, this is the information we found. Does it sound right to you? And and try and help them on that journey as well. What do you think makes South Sea Islanders want to find those roots in the Pacific Islands? It's just, you know, once you know who you are and where you come from, it just makes you a, a whole person. And I know that we've been recognised as a distinct cultural group in Australia, which is wonderful. And so I think the next step is that going back over and, and connecting with your families. And there's still families over there that don't know, you know, what happened to their brother or uncle. Or, and, and the fact that they could even have descendants and, and, you know, cousins, family, it just blows people away. We've been back several times, probably for the last 15 years now. Um, we held on Ambram a what we call the Ambram Soccer and Cultural Festival, and we called it the Year Finding Family. We had thousands of people come to Craig Cove in West Ambram. People from the north walked across the volcanoes just to come to our soccer tournament because we were also bringing stories of families of descendants from Australia who thought they had connections to Ambram Island. So we were supporting that connection there as well and helping people share stories. We raised, I think, $20,000 for the community during that time. So the mummers had stalls and people selling carver and it was was a beautiful festival. We hope to recreate that again and promote the connectivity between families. That's beautiful. What was it like the very first time you went to your ancestral land? Describe what stood out for you. It was the distinct strong cultural practices and everybody knew their roles and responsibilities and we use the term really loosely in Australia I think that it takes a village to raise a child but when you go back over there you it, it, it it's you see that and you feel it and um I'm getting emotional but yeah it's um just beautiful we had a, a ceremony for my dad that was the first time we went back and they perform what they call a rom and it's a men's grading ceremony so women shouldn't be a part of that but because it was for my dad they allowed us to be part of that ceremony and you know men are dressed you don't know who they are so they're they're just dressed in their traditional costumes um with banana lips that you know go to the to their feet and they've got big masks on which are vibrantly coloured and they've got long cones on their arms with shells and shakers and we're standing in this circle and there's no one around and you can feel the ground shake as they're they're coming down and you can hear these whistling and noises and they come into the circle and they're they're dancing it's like they're floating and so yeah being a part of that culture knowing it's yours is was beautiful that is so deep and special there that experience yeah yeah it is what is it like for Pacific Islanders to learn that um, they have descendants in Australia? The first sort of time that we connected, um, it was very emotional, talking, you know, about what what could have been, you know, um, if he wasn't taken or, or there's 15 of us in my family. So, we've, you know, for them to know that there's probably more people in 
that one descendant living in the village, that are the, all descendants of this one man that was taken, is truly amazing. And um, we try and encourage, you know, families through to support through school sponsorship or, um, you know, we, we were taking back school packs at the beginning of every year and just things like that to help because, you know, we are through their resilience, you know, um, of my grandparents, we are quite privileged now to be living in Australia. So we've got, for me, it's it's about giving back now. When you see people, other people finally find their connections through your organisation, what you do, can you describe some of the reactions that you see? Just the, the welcoming and, and the happiness and the joy. Um, everyone starts looking at each other's faces and they, you know, the resemblances of people and, and the names and the similarity, you know, you just start talking and the, the conversation is so, you know, even though we, we it was hard, we, we, we learned, try and learn Bislama um, so that we can communicate. But the language doesn't stop you communicating, you know, there's was, there was that much joy and happiness and just acknowledgement. For us, for our family, we're given traditional names and we the, they did some custom ceremony for us. And so, you know, we are very privileged and, and others are very privileged as well. And I know of others that have gone back and now carry, you know, traditional names, which is beautiful way of the families over there re- really embracing us as well. That's great. And what's your traditional name, Sonia? Lean, it's actually Lena. So it's my um, grandmother from Ambram. That's beautiful. That's Sonia Minikin from Blackbird International in Australia, whose organisation reunites Australian South Sea Islanders with their Pacific Island relatives. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Finding those family connections has been so important. But what was it like to grow up without really understanding where you came from? especially in Australia where the dominant European culture oppressed the cultural norms of First Nations and South Sea Islander people. Marian Healy is a community elder in the Australian town of Mackay. My grandfather on my dad's side is from Malaita and on my mum's side I'm from, she is from the Embra Island in Vanuatu. What was the hardest thing was not knowing who you were and, and this is my story um, not knowing my history, my dad came from a family of 10 siblings and his father was told who they were, but he, I think, you know, dad was told, um, you live here now, you don't need to worry about the past. And so that made then me disconnected from who I was and, and I had to then relearn it from dad's brothers, the story of where we came from and who we are in this in this place. And I'm, I think I'm doing a catch-up now for the, the generation of young people who don't know their story. Was it difficult because it was just oral history and your history was not written? Oh, yeah, it really was. Because if you can imagine, um, I know I was black or I know that I was brown-skinned. But, you know, we were all lumbered together as one. You know, Aboriginal people were, were considered a distance past, and we just didn't know where we sat as a nation of black people. And I, once again, this is my recollection or, or, of our history and our story. Many others, others in the family may have known, but I come from a family of 10 siblings as well. We're only just all learning our history now. I'm going to be 60 this year. I'm still trying to teach that history to the young people in our family. Wow. 
was was your history or the history of South Sea Islander deliberately left out of school curriculum? So how how, how did it come out? Oh come yeah, about? yeah. You know, um, my dad's big brother, Uncle Noel, had always spoken about, and I remember the interview when I was only a little girl on ABC back in the day, our uncle's talking about it, and it's actually recorded in a document, but they kept saying we were the forgotten people, and I kept thinking, well, how can we be the forgotten people? But when you look in the history books, there's no real mention about the South Sea Island people. There's no real mention about the 62,000 that were brought to Queensland in 40 years. There's no real history about where did they all end up and how did we come to be here? So if Mackay has the largest population of South Sea Islander people in Queensland outside the Pacific, the white people that, you know, my husband's white, you know, they need to know our story because we're getting, we're becoming more forgotten. Our kids are getting fairer in skin colour, but they need to know where their roots have come from and that's from the Pacific. That's really important. Yeah, I go back to, and mind how the term I use because it's a term that we've, we've um, reclaimed as ours, and it would have been in the past um, a derogative term, Kanakas. And our young people are wearing that as tattoos and taking that with pride. Um, my brother and I, maybe five or six years ago, we created the Kanaka Proud Cup, which is a rugby league competition between Mackay and Rocky. The reason why we did it is, you know, I lost 15 young boys to suicide in education. A lot of that was because kids didn't know who they were the cultural identity, they didn't know. They were seeing themselves as American rappers and, you know, but not seeing themselves as South Sea Islander young men in our schools or in our community. So creating the storyline and teaching these young people about who they are and where you come from, it's so important so that they can move in our community. Take me to you, your own connection and your lineage. Um, have you met family in the Pacific or been there? Yes. So I went there in 2013, my, my bigger brother, had wanted to organise to go back to Malaita. Um, we are the Rakwan and it's a descendant group. Um, we're from the Fatlika language area in the central Malayan Islands of the Solomons. My great-grandfather is buried in the Mackay Cemetery. He was a high priest. He never converted to Christianity, but we had the opportunity to take 54 of us back to Honiara, we flew in and then we boated across to Malaita and we met so many family members. So, you know, we remember the first night we arrived up in the village and the and the crying and the singing of welcoming us. I finally felt like I'd come home. Wow. You know, Aboriginal people talk about um, I'm on country and I always wondered what that felt like and I understood it once I um, arrived in the village. That was amazing. And then to take 54, did you say 54? <laughs> yeah, 54 of us, yes. <laughs> that's a whole, yes, that's a whole clan. <laughs> yeah. People will write to me on Facebook or inbox me on Facebook and say, do you know my family? And they're talking about generations before, right? There are People are connecting with us to try and say, is my family, my, my great-grandfather went there or my mum's family went there. Are they still there in Queensland? Are they still, do you know them? It's sad that we... Yeah, it is sad, isn't it? Um, that history is lost. But, but white history documents everything, so it, it's all kept in the John Oxley Library in Brisbane. We can research all that and people can access those records electronically sitting in your lounge here in Queensland or sitting in the lounge in the Solomons and, and Vanuatu. And the trip that uh, you made back home with the 54, the young ones, how were their reactions to seeing you know, their, their own families back in the Highlands? 
It was interesting because we took, I have five children, so I took my baby back and she was, I think she was 14, 15. For me, my bit was to get there and show all the cousins where we're from and I sat back and watched. But those young kids, the young ones that were amongst us, they explored with all of their cousins, all the island cousins, the whole of that area of where we were from. You know, my girl will reveal to me places that their cousins took them to in the island that she had not told me, you know, oh, maybe I, I could have stopped her from going, but they went, you know, they <laughs> explored places and met cousins. And That's amazing. It is. It really is, you know. And the young ones, did it change their sense of identity once they came back to Australia? Yes. Yes, they know who they are. My daughter can say she's a proud South Sea Islander. There's that pride you know, all of us wear all our islands, you know. We mightn't have tattoos, but we all wear our island shirts to say who we are. And I think that's the beauty of walking around in our Australian South Island shirts or our Vanuatu shirts or our Kanaka shirts. I can flash it. I don't have any problem in being proud of who I am. And same with my children. Good on being you. Being proud of who they are. Yeah, thank you. So, yes. I also very proudly wear my Mary blouse in Melbourne, so it added the best wear. Yeah, yeah. So good on you for doing that and teaching your young ones. Recently, Marian worked as a cultural advisor on the TV series Black Snow. Set in Queensland's sugarcane country, it's a fictional crime drama that delves into the lives of a South Sea Islander community. In 2019, Lucas Taylor a screenwriter, a white man from Tweetheads, um, had grown up with a lot of South Sea Islanders in those days and he wrote a cold case mystery about a, uh, about a young girl. He knew it was going to be in the cane fields but didn't know who. Um, he came across Kayleen Butler, who's a producer, a writer herself and uh, an Aboriginal South Sea Islander woman in, from the Rockhampton area and had the opportunity to participate with Lucas in the screenwriter's room and talk about why not bring the South Sea Islander history in? One of the screenwriters, Boydie Clapwood, said, you know, there are many documents written about us, but this is another form of telling our story that will engage people. Now, every every screenwriter, every producer, every actor, every crew member and every helper had to come through and do the workshop with me based on the Australian South Sea Island people, their impact on history and where we are now. 170 people I had to workshop in that the lead up in the producing of Black Snow, based on an, an Australian South Island girl that is murdered in 1994, remembering that this story is fiction, not true. Can't tell you everything about it because I'd encourage everybody to get it and have a look at it. It, it was launched in England uh, last year. It was launched in Australia at the January the 1st. It's launched in America on Sundowns, and this week it was launched in Germany. And that is one form of telling our story as the actors, as the story about an Australian South Sea Islander family in North Queensland in the sugarcane fields at that time. That is amazing. And yeah. do you hope that people in the Pacific can have a chance to see black snow so that they can get a better understanding of uh, your people's experiences? Yeah, definitely. So what I, I know that they haven't been able to access it, but we'll definitely work to try and get it back in the island so that people can see our story from a, a modern perspective. That's South Sea Islander community elder Marian Healy, who is teaching the young people in her community to be proud of their heritage. Rockham 
Northampton is another Queensland town with a large South Sea Islander population. Raylan Willie's great-grandparents were taken from Vanuatu, Nicoledonia and Solomon Islands. Compared to Marianne's experience of being encouraged to forget the past, Raylan learned about her heritage through oral histories and by seeing her family fight for their cultural identity to be recognised by the Australian government. Like in the 70s, that's when the movement for recognition um, commenced. Um, Mum was the National Secretary for the Australian South Sea Islander United Council, along with other members of my family, Michael Lloyd Willie, my uncle um, Mervyn Vivi. So even at a young age, I knew that well, there was something going on um, with Australian South Sea Islanders. It wasn't like um, as if I was sat down and told of my history. It was as I was getting older, like uh, becoming I'm into my late teenage years and early 20s, uh, that I had known about stories from my Uncle Lance, um, Leo and my Uncle Cole Tamara actually returning to Pentecost Island and making connections to family over there and actually, yeah, meeting family. And it came to a head like um, in 94 when Australian South Sea Islanders received recognition by the Australian Federal Government, but also there was a documentary done um, that my family participated in. It was called Sugar Slaves. And that's when, yeah, that connection to Pentecost especially um, became um, like, yeah, more important to find out more about it. But now also from my father's side of the family, um, my links to Gower Island, which will become yeah, very exciting um, in the next couple of months when myself and other family members um, who have connections to Gower in Vanuatu uh, will we'll go there for the first time, some of us, but yeah, some of them returning for, yeah, probably the fourth, fifth time. That's amazing. You've been to Vanuatu, but not Guau and Pentecost. Tell me about your experience of meeting people in Vanuatu. People recognized you just by looking at your facial features or something like that. And they, they knew where you came from or your family comes yeah, from. Yeah, uh, so we were at dinner at one of the resorts because that's where one of my uh, cousins from Pentecost, Philippa, worked. So we're just waiting for her to finish. Uh, my daughter, Emerson, needed to go to the bathroom. We had to pass through the restaurant. And just one of the waiters were going through to the kitchen and she just looked at me and like smiled, of course, and just said, oh, you Oba. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just started laughing. I just couldn't believe that she knew like some links. I don't know what it was about me, but that I just ran back and told my um, auntie and uncle, my Uncle Joe and my auntie Mock, and they were just laughing at me. Yeah. So I don't know what, what? it was. <laughs> She called you a what? Um, so you, Oba, so that's my connection to Oba Island. That's my um, great-grandmother, Elizabeth. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we come back and then like, you know, but everybody was there. It's um, funny when you, because you look like everybody over there and they'll say to you, speak Bisalama, you speak um, French. Yeah, and you said no. So, but like at the moment that's where we're having um, Bisalama lessons, yeah, being hosted by my cousin <laughs> um, Earl and his wife Latoya. So, yeah, hopefully, yeah, we'll, won't be, you know, fluent by July, but have a fair idea of what everybody's saying to us. At least know a little bit of those icebreakers and then that's going to get the conversation started. Definitely. Raylan Willey is from the Australian South Sea Islander United Council in Rockhampton, Australia. Thanks to all my guests today, Raylan, Marion Healy, Sonia Minikin and Lilon Bongmatu. I have loved hearing the stories of connection between women in the South Pacific and their newfound relatives in Australia. Thank 
you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of this show, catch up on our podcast. You can listen on the ABC Pacific website or on your favorite podcast app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Pacific Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, generation after generation we are told childbirth is natural. And as women, our bodies will know what to do. But what happens when birthing leaves lifelong physical trauma? At my eight month of pregnancy, I developed lower limb paralysis and I was admitted to the hospital because I couldn't walk. It was like sending some kind of a very excruciating pain that went up my spine to my head and down my lower limbs. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented and produced by me, Hilda Wayne. Our producer is Rachel Lucas, supervising producer is Kim Lester, and executive producer is Inga Stunsna. Sisters Let's Talk is produced on Wurundjeri, Gungai Kurnai, Durambul Jagara, and Turbul Country, and is an ABC Radio Australia production. I'm Tasol Nabungimu next time.